Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for So anyway, most of our Gentile friends don't know what Passover is. And if you don't know what Passover really means and how it pertains to our salvation, don't feel too guilty. If you leave here today and you don't know, then you better feel guilty. But right now you're okay. You're in the clear. You get a free pass, but I'm going to run it, run it by you. Everybody wants people to know who they are, don't they? Uh, you want people to know who you are, what you're about, what you stand for, what you like, what you don't like. And we want people to know, who, this is who I am. This is what makes me Ray. And, but friends, God wants to know you, but for that to work, you have to know who he is. Most Christians, most people calling themselves believers, they have no clue who God is. They just have this, call him Jesus, he's, and I said a, a magic prayer, so I'm good, and I'll be saved. Matthew seven twenty one ought to scare the the stuffings out of you because there's going to be a lot of people that show up. Oh, Lord, Lord, we're here. And he's going to depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. That ought to scare you. And if it doesn't, I hope it does real soon. You got to know who he is. You got to find out who he is. So today we're going to find out and understand who Messiah Jesus is a little better than when we came in. So let's start with Palm Sunday as that's what it is today and Passover here at the same time. We're actually in Passover now. It started yesterday evening, and it runs for a, a number of days. And so we're in it right this, this minute. So Jesus came to Jerusalem, okay? So John 12 and 9, it says, Now a great many of the Jews that he... Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to, Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Now, I find this odd. Here's a guy that was killed and raised up. Well, let's kill him. What? I don't get that. What are you trying to accomplish here? He was already dead. No, he's not. Oh, we're going to kill this guy again? Do you not think Jesus couldn't maybe? Anyway, moving on. So they're going to see this, this Lazarus from the dead guy. It's thinking, man, I got to see this guy. You know, in, in Pearland one time, I'm getting barbecue. I'm just a, it's just a regular day. Arnold Schwarzenegger walks right by. Now, if everybody had known he was going to be there, they would have run to the place to go see him but they didn't know. This is like a celebrity, Lazarus, the guy that was raised by this Jesus, and they're both coming in. I want to see this guy. He's got to be the guy. But it was not just because of Jesus, but because of what he had done for Lazarus. Can't you want to just see Jesus to see Jesus? No, this Lazarus guy, what he did. I want to see Jesus. 
The biggest celebrity of all time was coming to town. Everybody wanted to catch a glimpse of him. And then John 12 and 12, it says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So everybody's shouting and praise, oh, the Jesus is coming. But this infuriated Pharisees, they're like, that Lazarus guy is getting people to believe in him. They're mad. They saw Jesus as a threat to their positions of power. Now, anytime you turn on the news and you watch politics, you see them trying to take down the guy that threatens their positions of power. That, th- th- this is old bully politics have had the same rotten, demonic wickedness back then as it still does today. Nothing's new. Oh, we need to stop this. Hey, it was going on 2,000 years ago. It's going to keep going. So just don't let politics get under your skin, okay? They were playing it then. But they were saying, look, if we don't get rid of this guy, if we don't take Jesus out, the whole world's going to follow him. So they plotted to kill Jesus, not realizing that their murderous plot was actually going to become the very way that Jesus would die as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the entire world. (laughs) They were actually plotting to kill him, not knowing they were actually furthering the mission. Isn't that crazy? That's why you need to be a good, educated, knowledgeable believer in God's word, because you might, in your rejection, might actually be helping us believers. You don't know. Their intent to crucify Jesus would make Jesus the Passover lamb. Matter of fact, when priests would get a Passover lamb, they would inspect it for blemishes. And if there's any imperfection, it, it, you can't use that. You got to find another one. Remember when Jesus was brought into that rush nighttime trial and they brought witnesses that lied? They're trying to find something wrong. They were looking for blemishes, even though they, in their mind, was trying to kill him. Jesus was going to go to the cross and die for us, guys, and it was nothing was going to stop it. So he came in with these people. They were laying down palm leaves in front of him, which is why we have Palm Sunday. And everybody shouted, blessed is he. Blessed is he. Oh, this guy, blessed is he. And amazing how much, not much longer after this, the people all all around him would be saying the opposite. Crucify him. Kill him. God, that's what gets me about this whole thing. One minute everybody loves you. Next minute everybody hates you. Welcome to Christianity, guys. John 12, 12, 27, Jesus said, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Guys, that's the way we ought to take our suffering. There's your perfect example of what suffering's all about. Why is there suffering in the world? Why does, why does God allow suffering? Because he glorifies himself through that. He did it through the crucifixion. He came to glorify the Father by paying for our sins to be killed as our sacrifice. But here comes the question, and I had this question growing up. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to die for it, that barbaric death? Why did it have to be so messy? Why couldn't God just say, hey, believe me and you're good? Why did it have to come with nails and beatings and all that stuff? We'll get into that. We have to go back to when Passover was first instituted to understand why Jesus came to die. I ask people the question all the time. Why did Jesus come to die? Well, to be a good teacher. 
Yeah, but that wasn't the core reason. Well, to be an example, yeah, but that was not the main deal. Why did he come to die? And most of the time, probably less than 5% of the time, will somebody actually say he came to die on the cross for our sins to glorify the Father so that we can be saved. I very rarely ever get that. It's like that. It's like it's not even on the radar. We have to go back to Passover. The Jews had been captive in Egypt as slaves for over 400 years. This is slavery. Egypt owned them. Egypt had them. You're not getting out of here. You're mine. Okay? Hold that slavery thought in your head as we go into Exodus 12 and 1 because God is just about to break them out of there in Exodus 12 and 1. It says, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his next and his neighbor next to his house Take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Okay, it's got to be a perfect lamb. Jesus, ding, 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 number one, okay, shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it. When? At twilight. What are they going to do to this perfect lamb? They're going to kill it. Do y'all see a parallel in it? This is thousands of years before, the, before Jesus' time. This is long before the crucifixion. They're going to kill it. Verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted with fire, in fire, with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And the bitter herbs was to, to remind them of the bitterness that they had been through for 400 years as slaves, okay? Verse 9, do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, Burn with fire. This means like a parallel of being consumed by angry wrath. This is what's happening to this lamb, okay? Verse 11, and thus you shall eat it. Pay close attention to this. I want you all to really grasp this. If you don't get this, you're going to miss the whole rest, okay? Verse 11, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, Okay, be ready to go somewhere. Get your belt, get your staff, get your shoes on. Eat it quick. Something's about to happen, and you need to get, okay? That's what I'm really trying to emphasize here. So catch this visual. You take a lamb, which is to be a sacrifice. Now, what they used to do as a sacrifice is the people, uh, they would use a sacrifice, they would transfer their sins, they would walk up to the sacrifice animal at, at a time, and they would put their hand on it, the symbolic transference. Now that animal holds my sin, then they take the animal and they sacrifice it, and it's destroyed, okay? Now, that's the picture of Jesus Christ being died in our place. He was killed so that you don't have to. So... They would transfer 
onto the flesh of the animal. And then the animal was killed and burned. The destruction in their place, this animal took it for them. Now, sin kills. That's why this is so barbaric. You're thinking, man, this is like crazy, wicked, tearing animals up kind of stuff. I don't get it. Well, the thing we have to understand is that sin kills. That's the point. Sin kills. I'm sure it might have been hard for little kids to watch this little poor little animal that they wanted to be a pet and give it a name and call it Lala or whatever they wanted to call it and have it struck and killed and all all this stuff. Well, sin kills. That's what our sin has done. It passes on as death. And so they would pass it on the animal and and the destruction went through the animal to save themselves. And so the Lord told them to do this, take a lamb and kill it and consume it, destroy it with fire. The animal was to die. Put the blood on the doorposts. So you get a little brush of some, some little flower that grew in the field and you dip it in the blood. You run it up the door and run it over here and run it on there. Outside, you're, everybody knows your house has got on the outside. You, you painted it red with that blood. But do this in a hurry. Do this and be ready to go. Go where? Well, you're a slave. The only thing on your mind is I want out of here. You know, all my, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, we've all been slaves. I'd like to leave. And he's like, get ready. Ooh, this should be exciting. I get to get out of here. So be ready to move out of town fast. That's why he told him, your belt on, your shoes on, be ready to run out of here. And when you run, book it. Get out of here fast. Hightail it. Why is God telling them to be in such a big hurry? Because of Exodus 12 and 12. He says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Ooh, gives me chills just thinking the way he closed that up. I'm going to do this. I'm God. He's serious. He means this, but let that sink in for a minute. What did God say he was going to do? God just basically said, I'm about to kill a whole bunch of people. I'm God. Is this the Americanized God we usually think of? Well, that's not the God I serve. That's the God of the Bible. Well, I don't know this God. Get to know him quick. We need to stop thinking that God is this lovey-dovey guy that all he wants to do is just bless people all the time. That's not all he wants. He is also angry against sin because it did a lot of damage. Let's say you got a nice, beautiful house and somebody just charges in and just wrecks the whole place. You're going to be mad and you're going to pay for it. That's what our sin did. He's angry against sin and he's got to execute judgment. Now, look at how he announced he would execute this heavy judgment. And then he said, I am the Lord. Like you have nothing you can do about this. Get on board or get off. (laughs) He's giving you a choice though. He told him what to do. He's given him a way out. The Jews would understand from the statement, I am the Lord, that if they disobeyed and did not follow God's instructions to the letter, they would be in major, major trouble. If we don't do this the way God said to do it, something bad's going to happen. And that should scare you into obedience. Wisdom comes from fearing the Lord, guys. That's where it comes from. Now imagine if you're in this like the town we're in now, Houston, Alvin, Pearland, whatever, you're in the cities and you just got word from God that every family in all our cities, all their firstborn were all going to die on the same night. What do you think is going to happen that night? You, can you imagine the noise and the screaming and the terror that's going to go on all night? 
that's going to haunt your ears for the rest of your life if you're going to play around in there and not be ready to leave. You don't want to be here. It was going to be a very catastrophic, terrifying event, but it was also going to be the exact distraction the Jews needed to get out. And that's why he says, be ready to go. Terrifying event. Let me show you a verse while we're on this subject, because some of you may be struggling with God saying he was going to do this. I want you to see Isaiah 45 and 7. It says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. God does this. Well, Ray, how do you explain God does this? Well, that's not, God does it. Uh, He's got a purpose on it. It's better to understand the Lord than not understand him and just question everything. He says, I do this. I, the Lord, do these things. He's saying, guys, he's saying, I actually do this stuff. These things you think I'm not doing, I'm actually doing this stuff. He uses it. People killed Jesus. If you were alive in the day, how could they be killing Jesus? He's the Messiah. How could, that's terrible. Well, look, if you got eyes, gospel goggles to see the other side of it, that's where our salvation came from. So it was actually a good thing. And so he warned the Israelites because he knew a lot of people were never going to believe this. So he says, I'm going to do it. I'm the Lord. I'm God. He says, I'm going to pass through Egypt. I'm going to strike the firstborn. I'm the Lord. And you better believe I'm going to do this because if you don't, you're going to be in big, 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 big trouble. He's serious. Now, friends, if this shocks you, if this is new information to you, then praise God that you're finally seeing it. That's what I say. Ray, you're painting an angry God. He is, but he's also loving. We'll get there. Just hang on a minute. (laughs) Give me time. Give me that three hours I asked for. Kidding. If this is new to you and you're just finding out that God is actually like this, then I say praise God you're finally seeing it because you don't want to mess around when it comes to sin. You don't want to play with it. At the same time, God does not mess around when it comes to giving them a way out. That's what I was trying to get to. Okay, Ray, now now I'm tracking. Good. (laughs) He gives you a way out too. To those who would obey him though. He gives a way out to those who obey. See, most people don't want to obey. They just want to do their own thing. But this is my life. I live on my terms. Okay, but he did give you a way out. I want you to look at this. Remember what he told them to to do in verse 7. Let's show it again. Exodus 12, 7. It says, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. So they take the blood of this Passover lamb and they smear it around the door. And that would mark them. When you're walking through all the neighborhoods, you're going to see some houses are marked and some houses are not. And that might paint a, hey, I'm, I'm a believer in this other God. I don't believe in your God's Egypt. I follow a different one and you're going to be marked. And that set them up. Originally, you would think that could be set of uh, marking them as, as being threatened by the culture. Guys walking around with the blood of Jesus on me, I'm marked. But... You need that mark because of Exodus 12, 13 says, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, guys, I know it's hard living for Jesus for real, not just the fake little I'm Jesus, but you know, I follow Jesus, but I don't really, really, really follow Jesus. The little pretenders. No, when you follow for Jesus Jesus for real, you're marked. And it ain't easy. But there's a judgment coming you don't want to be part of. And it's better to have that mark than not. I guarantee you. 
(laughs) For those of you who just want to gasp that God would do such a thing as strike, because he says the, the, the blood will save you when I strike. He says, when I strike. Not when, I, when Satan comes through and strikes and I just kind of, well, I just didn't really do anything to stop him. No, he says, when I strike them. This is God. This is a very foreign God to most Americans. You may be asking, why would God do such a thing like this? Also know that God would do such a thing as give his people a way out. He always gives you a way out every time. Don't look at God, oh, he's an evil God, I can't follow him. He gives you a way out. Exodus 12 and 14, he says, so this day shall be to you as a memorial and you shall, what's the next two words say? Keep it. What are we doing here? Why are we talking about Passover? Because we are keeping it. The Lord told us to do it and by God, we're gonna do it. He said, you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. That's why we're going to eat later. We're going to feast. Throughout your generations, you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Now, I'm not going to try to bypass the Jews. He said this to them. I'm a Gentile, but you know what? Because I'm grafted into their blessings, that's why I'm going to keep it with them. This is my Messiah. He's Jewish. But twice the Lord said, keep it. Now, whenever dad used to come to me and say, Bo, don't make me tell you twice. And if he had to tell me twice, he meant it. (laughs) God's telling them twice. He means it. Keep it. They're still keeping it. I just showed you video of a Jew in Israel keeping the Passover. He's obeying this command from thousands of years ago. So he commanded to keep it. And what saddens me is that us Gentiles, the non-Jews, we are partakers of this blessing. But most Gentiles that I know of, they have forgotten about Passover. They don't know anything about it. But that's why I'm telling you, because now you can know. It's Passover today. And friends, this was a really heavy day here that the Lord was warning them about. The Lord executed judgment on Egypt because they were sinful for holding his people under slavery for such a long time. And the reason this is called Passover, we just read it, is because when the Lord saw the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of his people, on their homes, then this terrifying oh, this bad is going to kill everybody. I can't believe God would do this judgment, would pass over them. That's the whole salvation story. You don't want the wrath of God to hit you. You want it to pass over. Mark the doors. The people inside, his judgment would not come upon those who were under the blood of the lamb. Ah, I love it when I see Jesus in the Old Testament. (laughs) You, I'm a New Testament only Christian. Hey, bam, got you right there. Friends, all of us are sinners. And he did this so that they would not be condemned. He instituted Passover to save the people who would get under the blood. That was the point, to save them. We're sinners. I'm the biggest sinner in this entire room. I started in this building in the 1970s. And I got so fed up with church, I had church pain because, I don't know why, because I was just a dork, I guess, but I got mad at church and I said, I'm done. I'm through with this Christian stuff. I'm leaving church. You don't have to go to church to be saved. I was one of those. And I said to the people that were there, I said, I hate church and I'm never coming back again as long as I live. And now I'm a pastor standing in the very building I left. That's what God says, don't mess with me, I'll show you. But since... I came back, they had gutted the inside and they tore everything out and they renovated the whole thing and it's all new. 
As a matter of fact, it's brand new. They did it just this year, I think. Well, while I was out there, God got a hold of me. He gutted me out, and he made me inside completely and totally new, too. I look the same on the outside, but I'm new in the middle. So this building is pretty much a, a full circle picture of me. Don't mess with God. He knows what he's doing. He's God, and we're not. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.